0: So in the show notes, you'll always be able to find the link to watch the video on our YouTube channel and make sure that you hit subscribe so you don't miss a future episode. Thank you so much for supporting the show and enjoy this week's episode. Harry, welcome to the podcast. Yep, yeah, thank you very much for having me. Looking forward to this one. I think I am um, i said to you that a lot of people that listen to this I, I sort of sometimes you realize oh i've interviewed loads of business owners and haven't sat down with someone like yourself who four and a bit years into their journey you progress quite quickly yeah. and uh, a lot of people really enjoy learning from people that they can relate to and are on a similar journey or want to get to sort of where you are on your journey so I'm really excited to sort of unpack the last four and a bit years yeah, it's been uh, of, a journey. Your, of your career journey. So where we always like to start, and I'd be interested just to just get your, your take on this, is just the, the question that a lot of business owners think about, managers, leaders think about. So I'd love to hear your opinion on like, what you believe are the characteristics and traits that make up like a highly successful, high-performing, modern-day recruiter.
1: Yeah, no, thank you for having me. Really excited <laughs> to be on the podcast. So for me, there's maybe three or four things that I think fall within that category of making a top performing recruiter. One for sure is resilience. So okay. I'm sure you've heard that answer before, but you know naturally the industry has a lot of ups and downs and you're gonna face adversity over time. So it's something that is gonna come your way. I've had to, even today alone, I've had a great day. I've had some highs today and I've also had something that's a bit of a setback. So you're always gonna experience it within the role but it's how you're actually able to uh, take those setbacks but keep pushing forward through them um, is definitely one that I would say I not only try to remind myself constantly, but also when I'm actually interviewing candidates or people that are not only for the jobs that I'm working on but potentially people coming in to join the business. That's something that I'm always looking for, for sure. Another one is a solutions mindset. So Mm. it's definitely something we talk about a lot within our company. Again, it kind of relates to that you're going to face adversity piece. But yeah, coming up with solutions to overcome the challenges that you're facing, not maybe just immediately turning to the person next to you to just sort of ask for help and sort of deflect that, that problem, problem that yeah. you're facing onto sure. someone else and just say, you know, can you fix this for me? Trying to, if, I can, if someone in my team is facing a challenge and they come to me and say, I've, I've had this problem, but I think this is the way that I'm going to handle it. What do you think? That usually for me, I'm like, okay, cool. I think I'll talk to them about it. But if they're coming to me with the solution, then I think that's the kind that's of behaviour that yeah. I, I
0: sort of look to encourage for sure. Love that. Where well, I always like to start then is like, who wh- who was Harry before recruitment? How do you describe Harry before yeah, recruitment? Yeah, so oh, it has been it has been quite a, a,
1: a journey for me. How many times have people said that? But, <laughs> um,
0: yeah, I, uh, I've
1: started out, my sort of career journey started out at the time when I was had friends just about going to university so for me this was probably about six years ago or now uh-huh. uh, or so now um, and i remember at the time i knew that i didn't want to pursue this university route i kind of had a bit of a view that it was potentially high cost i think the prices of university sure. were changing at the time i'm not someone that slates uni just because <laughs> i didn't go i think it can be a great you know, course of development for people that want to take their career in a direction or actually just go and connect and As meet a person, people. Yeah. 100%. But I decided not to go down that route and I wanted to go and pursue work. And, and you know, that's testament, I think, to also the input from my parents. They gave me that sort of confidence, like my dad's quite an entrepreneurial type. So had that ability to just go for it. But I think I was lacking motivation around things like education for I I didn't perform the best I'll put my hands up and Mm. say that but I always worked hard outside of you know school and college so I knew that it wasn't an effort thing it was just about finding the right motivation for me so I've changed a lot in that sense I found uh, you know a passion for what I want to do I've understood that I may be financially motivated as Mm. well which is a, a part of it but also I think really I found a purpose so that's been one of the that. key changes for me.
0: A lot of young people struggled to find that. Yeah. So what how, did you stumble across it? Did it had been quite organic or was it quite intentional? Yeah I mean I'm sure you see <laughs> this and a lot of people
1: say this right? Yeah I have I do feel very grateful because I think you're absolutely right. I think there's a bit of a, I wouldn't say crisis but there's definitely a difficulty now with people in the earlier stages of their career. It's competitive out there and it's difficult to understand what is it that people want to do. I got quite fortunate in both cases. I do believe that you make your own luck sometimes. Absolutely. So we'll see how uh, that's perceived. But yeah, the first, the first situation is, as I said, the day that my friends went to uni, I was like, okay, this is, this is the future now. I've got to go and make this happen. So um, I remember I just started calling out to recruitment companies, funnily enough. Really? Yeah. I just got straight on the phone because, which must what, have been what, a what, thing. What, Yeah, but what, where, why? I got straight on the phone because actually, this uh, my parents had always been quite like that. Get get yourself. Or do they in front have their own? Do they have their own businesses or? Um, yeah. Where did my mum came from? Like events management. My okay. dad has had and ran his own businesses over time. So that's the sort of entrepreneurial sure. side. There's definitely like a sales bloodline running through okay. the family for sure. So that's definitely there. Um, but I just I thought writing up a CV. And sending that to people, what sort of response rate? That's what is that yeah. going to get? So weirdly enough, it was the first call I made. When was the first company I ever worked for? So really? I called them up, and I actually was asking about. I think it was like a football, like admin assistant role for a football club or something like that. And I was like, "Oh, interested in this role." Hmm. Got it all wrong. The guy was like, "No, we're a recruitment company. I'm not <laughs> just going to tell you who this is with." Um, it was one of those. But I actually managed to turn it around on that call to want myself an interview with the company and they did graduate recruitment so that was my right. first sort of step into the industry so interesting and then uh, yeah interviewed the next day started the next week and that's so, okay so your first
0: me. job was a recruitment job
1: yeah yeah so i was doing graduate recruitment um and that was just a purely business development role. So that organisation was split up into business development, account management, mm. and the talent generation piece. So what, what did a typical day look like for you then? Who was you trying to prospect to yeah, speak to? Yeah, I think it was a really good entry for me into recruitment because I think one thing I also look for now is quantity with people in terms of what quantity of work they do yeah because I'm a believer that you can refine someone's skill set and get the quality out of them but I always maybe look for quantity in their uh, actual inputs now but at the time I was doing cold calling dial outs I was probably doing maybe 150 dial outs a day to get 60 calls or something in that sort of range so it was just Picking up the phone, yeah, internships to graduate recruitment companies. And that served me for a while. How long did you do that for? I did that for 18 months. Eighteen months. And I did quite well. I what can't what remember. was your
0: worst cold call experience? Oh man.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I, there was one was it where bad? No, there was one where I was almost certain that they could hear me and that they were just deliberately ignoring oh, me. That's so you'd pick savage. up and, and lie, like, and it's it's quite humiliating when that happens. <laughs> You're there like Great, <laughs> this is actually happening right now. You're really putting me through this. So yeah. that was one of them. But um, okay. that was a good experience, but wrong sort of industry and focus for me. Um, it was a bit at the lower level of where I wanted to be at. And then fortunately, I was uh, in a pub in my like, hometown like one summer day. It's like, yeah. written, written out of a storybook <laughs> or something. And I was sat there enjoying like, a pint with my dad yeah. and got talking to this guy, sat across from me. And he ended up being a guy called Thomas, who's now my boss, Thomas Dove. Mm. And we introduced, uh, we got introduced to each other. And I remember I had a business card at the time that I thought was quite flash. So I was nice. like, take my details, let's stay in touch. <laughs> yeah, and from there, I guess you say rest is history. But he contacted me it was about three or four months later saying that he was looking for a researcher. Sure. Quite like the idea of that because... Um, what I was able to do was to take the business development work that I'd already got, mm. but also I wanted to understand the process of delivering candidates into a, Yeah, like the full, the full
0: cycle and, the, yeah. So, yeah, started there, and that was in January of 2019. So re- really quickly then, and then we'll unpack the Fraser Dove sort of career journey so far. A lot of people are absolutely shit scared of cold calling. Yep. What, like, looking back on that, and I'm sure there's been elements that you still do a bit of this now, or advice for people that can help them overcome that cold calling fear I don't know what like I'm sure you spoke to people about this before but like looking back and the experiences you now now have if I'm someone that I feel like I'm not great at cold calling or I'm really worried about it what what would your advice be for them
1: yeah I'm trying to dig back to four years and what my pitch was at the time (laughs) so going all the way back but if I think about if I think about now I think it's be be aware of your presence on the phone with that person. Try mm. to be the person at the other end of the line and try to understand what their experience is from your perspective. I call it sort of having this bird's eye view of the conversation. So really mm. get above the call. Cool. You're obviously going into their day. You might be cold calling. Let's say it's someone's mobile. It might be a mm. candidate. You're going into their day. You have no idea what point of the day they're going in. They could be in a meeting. And I think what you want to do is calmly but confidently present yourself within probably a a, a 10 second time frame and say this is why i'm contacting you appreciate my right now might not be the right timing but you know is there a better time to discuss Mm. this particular topic something like that Mm. i think that's quite beneficial if you that's more candidate driven if you're doing the business development side i think it does require a different knack you've always got to get your personality across and you've got to win that sort of like emotional battle with them a little Mm. bit if, uh, lot if
0: authenticity and, and be bring yourself to the call.
1: I think so, um, and then there's lots of different versions. Of the course, there's people that would be calling switchboards and stuff like that, and lots of people have lots of different styles. I'd always just recommend, you know, listen to the top performer within your company, understand <laughs> what they do, and mm. try and replicate some of the things that get them success.
0: No, no, I, I really like that bird's eye piece because I think we've all been there. Haven't we? Where you picked, you pick up a phone, and they don't they don't appreciate that that they're interrupting yeah. your day and they just go straight into Their pitch or wherever it may be. Yeah, and that's what really annoys people. Yeah, do you know what I mean, yeah. I think the best thing that you can do at the beginning of a call Which I actually do is, is get permission to carry on with the conversation or not. Do you yeah, know what I mean, yeah But I think it's I really I really like that It's like let's remember let's actually appreciate the position they're in. Yeah, look at it from their point of view and Let's just respect that and then I think that's that should help you get more out of your conversations rather than just trying to get everything out yeah. in a short period of time. <laughs> yeah, they call
1: it like the show up and throw up thing, don't yeah. they? Where you just like give them everything in 10 seconds and it's They're like, like what? who is this? Like, what, what are you even talking about? So Absolutely, yeah.
0: love that. So let's let's unpack the last sort of four and a bit years then. Mm. So j- just to frame this up for people, so you're just saying to me before we started, so... In around the, towards the end of like 2020, you said you started some sort of mentoring responsibilities. Then a bit more solidly for the last eight months or so, you've been in a role where you've got some more direct reports, like two soon-to-be more people, and then there's some more indirect people that you support and and help as well, right? Yeah. So leading up to that, would you just an individual contributor you was very much just focused on your own performance and, and supporting other people in the team so when you say it was a researcher yeah obviously Fraser of is exact search right yeah, so that's correct. Yeah. so being a researcher was that very candidate focus and then did you then sort of grow, go on this journey to then start trying to bring in your own business like if you could just frame that up for us and then we'll then go into some of the the key parts of that journey yeah
1: sure so When I moved into that researcher role, I came in at the time, and the business had just won quite a sizable project. So, I think it was maybe forty roles or so uh, within what we call like product supply, so procurement and supply chain, Mm. um, for a company based out of the Netherlands. And it was an opportunity for you know me to get my teeth into the role uh, at the roles that I was working. And had a lot of success. I probably did um, around about fifteen placements over that uh, first, you know, eight month period, which was pretty solid. I was I was happy with that. And it does also require a certain environment. You know, after that eight month period, I think someone ended up leaving the business, and that maybe presented an opportunity to to give me a bit of a chance. But uh, naturally, I, we were already having discussions about the development into a consultant role within about a twelve month time frame. Okay. So it kind of got fast tracked from there, and. The next four months, I ended up taking on some existing in-house accounts, which okay. is not something everyone gets. I so appreciate that, but yeah. was able to take on some roles based out of Switzerland, you know, sort of 20k deals a piece, mm. which were reasonable deals at the time, and, mm. and that got me to my target for the end of that first year in the business. Okay, and then I remember going into, I think it would have been 2019, and sort of moving into a a bit of an unknown. I didn't really know how it was going to develop. I was obviously riding a bit of a buzz in the sense that I'd hit that financial target and I'd had a good uh, first year in performance. And Fraser Dove has has been developing that whole time. So it was in its infancy when I joined. It was about three or four years old and Mm. I've seen it develop quite a lot since then. Sure. So when I actually I came in, that first year that I had in in um, recruitment, I actually ended up being the top biller for the year oh, in, wow. as, as a first full year as a consultant. I won't go out there and say that it was a crazy high number. I think it was maybe in the 200 range, which yeah. is pretty solid Absolutely. still. Absolutely,
0: first year. Um, Brand new industry market that you had to get your head around as well.
1: Exactly. And I won't sit there and say I won every single piece of business and mm. it was all mine. But there were some you know key bits of retained business that I'd won in that that had contributed to a large part to that overall number Mm. and the way that i was able to develop was by ensuring that i was surrounding myself with people that were achieving high performance and really just latching on to yeah, latching onto some of the traits that they would have, or the way that they communicated, or if I, if I liked a certain sentence or a way to pitch mm. some kind of solution, then I'd bring that into my own style. I actually, found myself like weirdly copying people a little bit too much. I was really? like suddenly thinking like mm, I'm
0: starting to sound like this guy <laughs> two seats down. Where where, where did that come from for you to make that decision of like you know what I'm going to try and like even though you could have you could have had a bit of an ego at that point, right? And go well, people should be listening to me and taking things from what I'm saying, yeah, because I'm the top performer in the company why did you make that decision that right okay i'm going to try and pick up as much as i can from the people around me and yeah. try and make that my own like where did, why did you decide to to have that approach this podcast is proudly partnered with the award-winning source now i think it's safe to say that right now the market is crazy continue to hear people saying never seen the market like it and I continue to speak to recruiters who are inundated with jobs, which is why I'm not surprised that the number one word that I'm always hearing at the moment is automation. And if you're looking at how you can enable your teams to spend more time on what they're brilliant at, building relationships, speaking to people, then you need to look at Sourcebreaker. It's helped countless recruitment companies scale more quickly, enable their younger recruits and their rookies to get better more quickly and automate a whole lot of the the work that a lot of recruiters are probably not so good at and the work that, that maybe they don't enjoy as much. Because you listen to this podcast, you're going to be able to get an exclusive discount on the Sourcebreaker product. So if you have not already, get a demo booked in with Sourcebreaker. Use the link in the show notes. You will not regret it. If you're thinking about that word automation in 2022, you need to consider Sourcebreaker.
1: I'd say like, so the leaders of the business are people that I very much are are mentors and I aspire to be. They have very different traits and characteristics, but I take a lot from both of them in terms of their styles. And that drive, that ambition across that first year, that's what ultimately helped me get to that point. At that point, I'd I'd had a good four months Mm. leading up to it, but ultimately... Across that year, I was just gathering and I was listening to everything and mm. just trying to replicate what I saw other people around me doing. I think I'm also someone that, you know, I do react well under a pressure situation. I think I actually broke my wrist in March of that year, which okay. was not ideal. I mean, I think I was like voice typing emails into oh, the wow. laptop and stuff, which was That's so that, so it's a sort of bit of a setback me in quite a difficult spot because i think i got to about april and may mm. and had done like 30 or 40k mm. so i was not on the on target the on, yeah at all. and i remember having a conversation with one of my bosses and it was like right now's the time to really sort of mm. you know go for it you got to show us because we understand you've had this problem don't worry it's not bad culture <laughs> but you know i agreed as well and it was like, okay, I've got to show what you can add to the team now, what your value is. And I think from that moment onwards, it sparked me on. And, I, and I've had a couple of these like gear changes all throughout my time at Fraser Dove. Where, really? Yeah, that next piece just spurs me on to the
0: next one. What do you feel like it took you to feel like, actually, maybe I'm, I'm not maximising my potential here. I don't know. Did you, have, did you feel like you needed those moments for someone to go, look, you're capable of way more, like, let's kick on. Or or over time, has it actually more come from within where it's like, right now, let's push on on these things?
1: I think it's definitely a combination of multiple factors. I think I I was aware of... uh, After I had that uh, really good year and I started to pick things up, I was like, okay, I've got got a good understanding here. And I could feel I was having good calls with clients and I was connecting Mm. people and almost found my craft in a sense. And I was like, I can really enjoy this role and I can get into it. Um, But you also need the right backing from leadership and and your mentors to sort of give you the confidence to say like you you're 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 someone that's got potential to do this but you know you've got to be able to take on the constructive criticism Mm. in that sense and not just be like i'm the best this is going to work out if i Mm. keep doing the same it's just always going to be this way always looking to evolve and adapt in the role and so yeah, finished that year it was great. I was like, here we go. Let's let's do it again. Let's improve for the next year. And then that was 2020. So that was COVID. So <laughs> it was like, oh, okay, different, whole different situation now. Mm. And actually, you know, putting your hands up, but that was actually a time I really just struggled, like in really? terms of not maybe personally, but from a business perspective. And I think a lot of other well, people. In terms of like your
0: performance or like, yeah. yeah. And I really. I'm not a fan of what working did you struggle, from home. What do you struggle most? was what, what it working from home that you struggled most I of?
1: really thrive off of the buzz of being around people. And I, I get inspired by hearing other people sure. doing well in their role. And if I hear positivity or if I hear someone else doing something great, I want to implement that into my own work. And all of a sudden, I was just completely isolated and like every bit of motivation would have to come from me and it weirdly it sort of got me back to a time when i'd maybe have to be revising for revising yeah yeah, that is not not fun no and that's obviously i didn't do particularly well within that education i did okay but not maybe didn't push myself as hard and i it's something that i've got a lot better at now i'm able Mm. to operate quite well within that space because i know that i set myself certain goals and targets that i've got to hit but um that was a difficult year yeah it was a difficult year i mean i say it was it was a difficult year for everyone of course it was from a like a billings perspective it just stayed neutral so Mm. i did the same number or thereabouts Mm. so it wasn't a bad year yeah i think just because of my competitive nature and drive to want to succeed i was i
0: was like "Mm, that's annoying i could have had a Mm. could have had a great year there but that was good. So all the way up to that point, was you like um? I could, so were you doing the client side and the candidate side? Or was you doing both? Yeah. So I would be doing yeah a full three hundred and sixty role. Um, I, I'd get
1: some support. So let's say I've got maybe between I don't know five and eight live roles. I'd maybe be able to pass on one or two of those to other people who have joined the business recently and are working just purely That's in support that support Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So
0: let's just get a bit granular here. What what's been the most effective way that you found to like be successful at business development and and be successful at developing those client relationships do you think?
1: For me the the most successful way is understanding the value of the network and understanding the value of the network that you build and the people that you keep close to you so if you were to say how do you business develop well the broader answer is you have to do a a lot of a little of everything basically you have to cover the board so you know there are speculative introductions Mm. there are dialing out to people, making calls here and there. Mm. Um, I do something where I uh, call like a compounding network strategy where I, I schedule in reminders, of course, to catch up with people over certain periods of time to make sure that I'm staying in, cl- in touch with that close network. And that for me has been
0: the most effective one. Compounding network, talking yeah. about that, that's interesting so way of putting it. So it, obviously you were saying that basically what I take from that, but you talk me through it is, if I do these things, Every single day every single week over time it's going to compound and and have a huge impact or to get me to where i need to exactly yeah and you know i have it where
1: a relationship should never be transactional so Mm. i've if i'm not gaining something out of it now that and and i only see if i only see it that way it's going to impact me very very negatively from a bd perspective because i'm only going to be in the moment of every single call Um, i've had relationships where i've had to catch up with someone every month for 13, 14 months. And then within the last two weeks, something's finally dropped and sure. it's been worth that time. And so that's my that's my networking strategy. So I have regular check-ins and I, I automate them. So people do this naturally in recruitment. They just have it in their mind that I need to call this person. Yeah. And I'm, not, I, I'm not wired that way necessarily as well as some people, I don't think. And I need the reminders. So I'll either just have it scheduled in my diary or I'll actually schedule the call in with them to catch up, whether it be on, a monthly, mm. bi-monthly, quarterly basis. Following a good networking discussion or talking to people. And yeah, I just find that as a really really key tool and if you just did that, it might work for you to some extent, but it's really about combining finding what works for you and combining it with lots of other different other ways, business yeah. Yeah. Uh, development But like activities.
0: why so just talk to me a bit like why why would I give you my time on a monthly basis?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. Time on a monthly basis comes from being able to add value to conversations. I have, again, come back to mentors, leaders of the business. I've always been given the right sort of message around this networking piece and something I've been focused on is becoming a key opinion leader within my space. Okay. So I focus within a very niche market and I'm specialised within that area. And we'd go out to say that I work with a good percentage of the market or the people that I'd want to work with within my space. Um, it is a bit smaller than some of the other functions across our business. But because of that, you know, I've got that sort of inch wide, mile deep knowledge of the industry. And every time I can connect with people, it's not transactional. It's not about, you know, how can I help them or, you know, are they looking for support and a role? A lot of the time I'm looking to go into these conversations and add value to them and, and look to share market trends. And if there's an opportunity to discuss solutions, because particularly within our market, within the life sciences right now, we're going through a very turbulent period. There's a lot of activity. There's a lot of growth. Sure. We're seeing this across other industries as well. And so these partners need your solutions. They, mm. they do need our support. It's, it is as straightforward as that but Mm. that doesn't warrant you the work or the opportunity to work with them you've got to give them a reason to work or partner with them and and also the reason as you said to connect with them on a quarterly basis or a bi-monthly whatever it may be so making sure that you come to the conversation you know giving two pieces of information and maybe understanding one piece back or something like that i don't really go in with that sort of structure
0: no i mean yeah because i think that's what people would be thinking right okay well what like because like you said i think this is the i just love the way that you're talking about being consultative you're like trying to add value and you're leading with that and like you said you're not transactional which i absolutely absolutely love Mm. so just just find a bit on that because i think it will be useful for people like what what might be like a market trend that you might share because again people go okay well like what what does that even look like is it you're saying you know, like. Have you noticed that X company has recently got funding? I don't know. Like what might that market trend look like, for So example? There's
1: something for, for us that we're aware of. So within our life sciences market, which is for people that might not know, it covers pharmaceuticals, biologics, medical device. And it's also a funny industry that I work in called outsourcing, which okay. um, I won't go into now. Yeah. It's probably, But um, in terms of market trend within that situation, so they would... Uh, for example, within the life sciences industry, there are 98% of companies are hiring over the next five years. Okay. So uh, that's ridiculous growth. Yeah, that's that's uh, nice. The whole market is hiring. So everyone's hiring for the same talent. Um, I'd love to say we can help everyone find the, the jobs that they're yeah. looking for, but it's a huge market out there, of course. So one of the things that I'll always come into the conversation is, you know, what is your employer value proposition? And how, do you, how are you currently taking your brand to the market? Um, what is your talent, you know, attraction strategy? Um, is this something that you've considered? What we're seeing in the space is that is you know your competitors are doing X, Y, Z. We're also helping potential competitors do X, Y, Z through these solutions. I'm bringing this to your attention because if you don't get ahead of the curve, you're going to face challenges in the next, you know, three, six, mm. twelve months. So it's not, and it's just giving them
0: actual, real-world examples of what's going on, um, which you're just picking up by. Being in your niche, speaking to people, seeing what people are doing, Ask, doing the networking.
1: Yeah, asking the right questions, um, and you know, I, and hearing things internally. You know, I hear someone else say that, and I take it with me. <laughs> and I go to the next place, and I do a bit of research on it to you know validate it. I'm also always you know looking into the market, understanding what acquisitions have taken place, mm. etc. Okay. So yeah, that's my. I focus. love that. Yeah,
0: because I know a lot of people struggle with this. Of like, they may think that in order for them to go into that conversation, add value, mm. you'd have to be the life sciences expert or you'd have to know as much as they do about outsourcing. Yeah. Do you get what I mean? And actually yeah. what you're talking about is, well, no, I don't, I, I'm not talking to them about that. I'm saying, I'm talk, like you said, the talent, um, talent strategy, the things you're seeing in other markets. Everyone's hiring. What you're doing to stand out. How what how is your brand perceived in the market? And they're the types of things that you can bring to their attention, bring yeah. to the table that is is really valuable. So w- one thing that I had to ask you, like I saw it on your LinkedIn, and this may be more recent, but it says that you actively speak to like the C-suite and, and really senior people, right? Yeah. Yeah. How have you d- like how have you dealt with not feeling like an imposter in those conversations? Because yeah. I'm sure I speak I like. I've interviewed a lot of young people and this seems to be like a really big roadblock for them. I don't know if you've seen this where they, they would have been studying a couple of weeks ago and then after like two, three weeks later, they're speaking to a, a CEO or whatever and they're like, oh my God, yeah. like, this per- like who am I? I've got no credibility at yeah. all to speak to this person. Have you had to deal with that? Yeah, do you know the timing that I've literally had a call this morning
1: with a c-suite member a CEO actually of a, an organization we've worked with this business for a long time but mm. you know it, it was a new discussion with someone at that level and it comes down to um, you know understanding this peer to peer communication preparation is key you know if you go into those calls and you expect everything to go very smoothly and without the right preparation or having the right knowledge about the market or without your space you you will find some challenges so I what i 'd imagine maybe some people might say is you know you can 't just go in on your first week and just think that it 's going to be perfect at the c suite sure. level. Making sure that you're going on with those calls with people, I would say, and sort of pairing up on discussions with C-suite, not always going to get the chance. But let's say it's a, a commercial call
0: where
1: mm. you're working to potentially partner with a client or something along those lines. I think being a part of the conversation with someone else and being that sponge for the first couple of weeks or months, however long it takes, that's definitely a good idea. Because you can really start to you know, understand the kind of language, the communication, the structure of the conversation. And, and then it does, it does come with time. Naturally, you, you, know, you might get a little bit nervous going into these calls. I think that's always natural, um, but you have to understand people are human. And mm. um, I think also, you know, if you've got the confidence that you're going into this conversation, knowing that one, they're either a candidate and that they are looking for an opportunity or that they are a potential partner or an existing partner with a real problem, then they need to speak to you and uh you know whether you're winning business or trying to and you're trying to be the selected partner you know you've still got a solution uh, something to present to them mm. um and yeah i think just being on the same level and yeah, so don't treating them, on them a with respect
0: treatment yeah okay yeah 100 percent. interesting so uh again getting a bit granular here but like how you said earlier around how you had some highs today some like lows and challenges mm. like I'd love to hear your take at the moment on like how you're navigating the sort of candidate landscape and market. So speaking to countless people, recruiters at the moment, where like crazy counteroffer stories, they're finding it really hard to get people over the line, candidates of sport for choice. Like you just said, 98% of your market whatever, is going to be hiring over the next three to five years. So yeah. these people that you're speaking to, building relationships with must be sport for choice and, and yeah. must have a lot of people trying to grab their attention, make them curious enough to, to speak to them. How are you finding this at the moment and what, what things do you keep top of mind to make sure that you have more actual placements actually happen rather than, than falling out and having those, those rough days in recruitment that, that everyone has? This podcast is proudly partnered with VinCherry. Now, you should know by now that they are on the quest And their vision and mission is to be and become the operating system for growing recruitment companies. Well, you may or may not have seen, but I'm here to tell you that they've recently added another fantastic piece of kit to their overall amazing system. It's called Vineo. You can probably guess what it is. A lot of you, and for the last two or so years, have probably accelerated your use of video. So having a tool which is seamlessly in your uh, CRM, what you use every day to prospect candidates, prospect clients, to use video in in your interview process, just going to make your life a whole lot easier. So just another amazing reason why you need to check out VinCherry. If you're looking for an all-in-one platform, the operating system that you need as you scale your recruitment business, then you have to consider VinCherry. Use the link in the show notes because you're a recruitment mentors listener, you will get an exclusive discount on price. So use that link and you will not regret it. Yeah, it's
1: a really good point. So you have to get as close as you possibly can to the candidate. Mm. So you've got to understand everything about about their world, about Mm. what's important to them. Um, We've had some really interesting examples. One of the downs from today is maybe going through that experience, but you can sort of foresee these things happening in the market now, you know, counter offers are kind of an expected thing, it's gonna be happening. I've had a really good case study of it today within my team where, you know, by really tying into, you know, understanding, you know, what it is this individual wants from their next career step, understanding their motivations from very, very early on in the process, having complete transparency with communication around other offers that might be on the table, you know acknowledging the fact particularly within this case it was you know the offer that we had was lower than some of the other offers so financially a lesser offer but we've managed to close the candidate and that comes down to understanding that individual investing your time in it does require putting in some extra time or some extra hours you know maybe taking an out of hours call if they're in the u.s or something like that but ultimately these are all the one percent improvements you can make Mm. to give yourself that that M- much closer personal tie to the to the individual, and I think right now in this market, and I th- I know obviously just life sciences, mm. but I know it'll be the same across others as well. If everyone's just looking to offer more money then nobody's offering anything different so you know emphasizing the benefits the reasons why they wanted to relocate or move in the first place um and trying to look beyond just the financial aspect as to uh, decision making for that
0: candidate that's going to give you the edge i think in in this market at the moment i love that and again it comes back to that point of not being transactional right yeah and i think also i think also you i guess you've got to be honest in the fact that if you catch on very early that person you're speaking to is very much just driven about finances then be transparent about that and yeah. ask those questions that maybe you don't want to hear the answer to yeah you've got to ha- ask the hard questions you know ha- how do you feel like taking
1: accepting an offer that's going to be financially lower than what mm. you're what you're receiving elsewhere and get a real feel feel for it i think you know in this case it was it was a good outcome mm. some people are
0: just going to chase the money but mm. it will give you a better chance so i want to make sure like before before we finish then so how have you found that a really difficult period to a lot of recruiters that I speak to? They aspire to be in management, leadership. Mm. Then when they're on that journey, they they just find it they find it really difficult. Yeah. How has it been for you? Like I know obviously it's been like a gradual journey, whereas some people may find themselves going from like not really managing anyone to managing like four or five people, right? Yeah. But how? What are some of the things that maybe you've had to work on or change in your approach that you feel has made you or is on uh, helping you on the journey of management and leadership
1: so i talked about it earlier it's the changing of gears for me so it and this is not just from a um uh like a a, i'm going to do i'm going to have a higher output or i'm just going to do more of this Mm. i think you actually have to change your own personality quite a lot you've got to change the way that you behave and interact with your team i think if you try and continue maybe some of previous relationships that you've had with you know certain colleagues or whatever and and just hope that that will transition nicely into this next role that might not work out best for you like Mm. that's something you have to have a, a bit of a step up in maturity I'm also eight months into the role solidly so uh yeah if you're looking for sort of leadership experience advice there's definitely people out there better qualified but from my perspective you know not everyone, as you said, is suited for that management role. Mm. I think definitely be aware of um, your leaders uh, for for people that you know, are working within organisations. Understand that you've got to have the right sort of guidance and leadership and that it's not going to be the right step if you're just the highest performer to take that step up into a management role.
0: Is it um, something that you wanted to go into then? Was you quite motivated?
1: It was something that I was definitely open to considering. And the thing that I'm grateful for Fraser Dove offering is there's always been this flexibility to sort of say, we're gonna give you this responsibility, we'll see how you take it on, but it might not necessarily not the right be fit. the it's path, not like let's work it, yeah. it out. And fortunately right now it's going well. Um, but my management style is um, leadership through high performance. So okay. uh, I try not, I don't get really involved in the day-to-day pushing of you know KPIs and really getting mm. down. Of course we have KPIs within mm. the business and I encourage the team to, to get alongside those. But for me, it's about showcasing what high performance looks like, okay. having success in my role, and then uh, coaching and mentoring the people around me to sort of level up and, and mm. develop within their own position just So like leading by example. Exactly, yeah. Um, I tried
0: to get away from that term of like management mm. and more just sort of leadership. Yeah, I love that. So a couple of things, again, going, going a bit granular here, but people, this is the stuff that people want me to yeah, ask, sure. right? What, Talk to me about what does a typical day plan look like for you? In terms of like, talking about how you l- yeah. want to leave by high performance. Mm. So what does like a perfect day look like for you that you think gives you the best chance of uh, having that high performance? Yeah, perfect- we want details here. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll, I'll go for it,
1: I'll, I'll break it down. But a perfect day they come around sometimes, but <laughs> yeah, They they're not always available. So I think that's the first thing. Just be aware that not every recruiter not has a perfect yeah, sure. yeah, Every Not everyone has a perfect day. But my perfect day would be coming in. And on a Monday, I'll always have an agenda for the week. And I'll always be really, really thorough with my planning. So I've got to know exactly what I've got to do. Um, and ideally, the time frames, the dates in which I've got to deliver it by. Okay. So my, let's say I'm middle of the week. I'm looking at my agenda. I'm looking at the things that I've got checked off. Some of the things that have also come into my world over the last couple of days, and I'm really prioritising what I need to tackle first. Not losing sight of business development for administrative mm. activities, yeah. um, and really setting out a plan. I probably do maybe twenty minutes of planning every day, okay. just to make sure that what, I'm at the end fully of the set. day, the beginning of the day. Yeah, pro- I, I should, probably should be a bit better at it. I should probably make some notes from the night before. I think I'm always jotting some bits down, okay. but I usually come in like. 15 minutes before my official day kicks off, Mm -hmm. get 20 minutes of of planning down. Um, Then I would do a bit of initial research, looking in the markets. My mornings are usually booked actually with quite a lot of pre-booked calls. So it might be that I'm doing maybe second candidate regs for people within my team, um, networking calls, Mm. you know, generally sort of 30 minutes at a time. Um, and I'm also within those gaps, I'm doing market research. So what does that mean? I'm looking online onto, you know, um, different websites, uh, yeah. news, news websites that are specific to my market industry, and my niche yeah. and sort of gathering an idea of what's going on within the space. And of course, I'm gathering the information from the people that, you know, uh, I'm speaking to on the calls in the morning. Yeah. We go through, again, maybe do a few administrative tasks, might be sending out some CVs, might be calling out to a few people that we have on the system, checking in with some people in my close network, Um, takes me up to lunch. Mm. Yeah, what to have for lunch? (laughs) sushi today, that was good. Um, (laughs) uh, And then, yeah, come back around about one o'clock and usually the afternoon is quite busy for me because I, I work globally but i do work i have a heavier percentage within the u.s or north american market you work a bit later um yeah i do um not not all the way back it sort of flexes from day to day so it's not always the same but yeah i typically in that time i'm and then connecting with the u.s market at eight o'clock their time on the east coast starting to do a few pitch calls these are going to be between 45 minutes to an hour um, these are going to be pitched, booked in by myself, but also we call them like partner pitches where my team have brought in the leads and I help mm. develop or business develop them with them. What, is that where you're pitching the different solutions that you have? Yeah. So we have, you know, we, ha- we are definitely a business that we grow and develop our, our staff. A lot of companies do out there, of course. But, um, you know, not everyone's ready to jump on a pitch and deliver executive search solutions from the moment that they move into a search consultant role. So um, partner pitching with someone like myself that has a lot of experience and, and understands the, the range of solutions that we can offer. I join them to, to help them in their development um, as you know, a consultant moving into senior mm. principal consultant. So yeah finishing up the day a few business development activities um i'd like to do some maybe speculative introductions to my close network you know yeah. sharing great talent that i've been speaking to over the course of the week and yeah usually a few other calls something gets crazy at the end of the day, <laughs> and then all
0: of a sudden it's six o'clock i love it so may or may not have picked up on this but i'm speaking to a lot of recruiters that are really putting a lot of resource effort mm. into going to the us yeah anything that you pick like how would you describe the opportunity over there? So typically what I hear is the perception of the recruitment industry seems to be way better in the US, placements in terms of fees Mm. higher typically yeah, Um, and then also it seems like people are just way more open to being sold to or like these types of things so how have you found because it seems like you've operated in a few different parts of the world Mm. how would you describe the the US opportunity and maybe some of the nuances the market's
1: definitely more alive you compare the US to somewhere like Germany you've got a two-week notice period versus a six-month notice period Um, you know some places in Switzerland we've seen people with a whole 12 months notice before they can leave the role so very very different markets when you look look to compare them and because of that there is a bit more of an openness for, for people to Move, you have completely different cultures. So, um, yeah, like entirely. And even across the US, you get different cultures yeah, of course, different across states different states. Yeah. The US market it is just a little bit more active. For us, you know, I get the obviously just the view of the life sciences. So It's very, very candidate driven at the moment. A lot of the people that I work with are leading manufacturing facilities that are um, making COVID vaccines. Mm. You know, we had one partner make 600 million vials in a year type thing. And I've got to identify the individual that's going to be running that manufacturing facility. That skill set is very sought after, as you can imagine, because everyone's trying to, you know, manufacture these vaccines that have been developed. And it's something that will continue over time. Um, So, when you're working in that kind of competitive market it's something that's not only the top of your industry but actually on you know the news every day yeah. and it's the top of the market it, it does add a different level of yeah of how competitive it is for sure mm. so in order to get ahead you do have to be very very creative that's when your network you know has to play into your hands you have to be able to um utilize the people close to you ask for referrals because a lot of people are going to be looking for the same talent and if you're trying to s- apply the same solutions or you know trying to apply the same reach outs you're going to you know find it hard
0: love that so as as you come to to, to the end here then obviously i think i told you didn't like that i was going to message my oh, no. colleagues, <laughs> <laughs> but no i, I reached out to uh, Thomas, obviously the, the one of the, the founders, and spoke really, really highly, highly of you. And one of the things Thank that Thomas. he said that he absolutely loved about you, so I just wanted to sort of end it towards here really, was he said one of the things I absolutely love about Harry's is, is his growth mindset. Is that something that you feel like you've developed, got better at having, have always had? Because I think if more and more people listen to this or more and more people in the industry had more of a growth mindset, mm. there's just way more chance that they're going to be able to achieve their goals and, and maximise their potential. So uh, I I'll was just, I'll just interested to get your thoughts on your journey with that, if that's something that one of your mentors has really highlighted.
1: Yeah, I... and Yeah, thank you, Thomas, for that. <laughs> I really
0: appreciate that.
1: Um, yeah, I think there's naturally, in people that are in high-performance roles, you'll find a, a natural ability to be able to start to develop. And, and it might just be at the very early stages, but have that growth mindset. But in order to fully you know, developers, a consultant in the world of recruitment, you've got to be able to give 100%. You've got to absolutely apply yourself to every situation. Um, you've got to be able to see the positivity in things. You've got to have that resilience, as mm. I mentioned. you also got to have the right mentors in place that are going to say, you are capable of this. You don't know it yet, mm. but you can actually do that. Um, and I've had that across my time. I remember transitioning from, yeah, like last year alone, it was something like, I, I my target went from 240 to 350, yeah, and, and you're then, like, oh my god, how the hell is And that then I think I ended up on like a 550 year wow. out, of, out of, and I was like, if I did, if I wasn't told, if I wasn't set that bar, then I, I don't know whether I would have gone for it. I think uh, naturally I'd like to say I would, but you need someone else going, you are capable of this. The market mm. is here. If you apply yourself, we're going to give you this resource to support you in your development then yeah anything is possible so yeah that's definitely the way that I sort of see things
0: it's been a pleasure cool
1: thank you so much thank you very much (laughs) cheers
0: thank you so much for listening to this week's episode I hope there were plenty of golden nuggets for you to take away As you'll know, I'm your host here of the Recruitment Mentors podcast, but I'm also the founder of Recruitment Mentors. We're an online subscription-based learning and education platform. We're on a mission to help thousands of recruiters achieve their professional goals and successfully progress their careers through modern and engaging online learning if you're a recruitment business owner listening to this there's a good chance that you value self-development personal development you're trying to develop a culture of continuous improvement but we've partnered with a number of grown recruitment companies who were struggling to understand how they can invest more in their people how they can upskill them more quickly without spending more time without having to spend thousands of pounds of external trainers and we've ended up being a really great fit modern fit for recruitment teams